welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management and marketing professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Marketing at Pragmatic Marketing, and your host for today's episode. Joining us today is one of my favorite instructors and one of our longest tenured instructors, John Cottrell. Welcome, John. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, I look forward to having a discussion about you know working working your career and and making sure you got the right balance in your life as you achieve your goals. So thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And John, one of the reasons I think you'll be great for this topic before you joined us, you spent you know a dozen years plus, right? in different software companies, traveling the world, really implementing product management and product marketing and building up teams. Then you move there to this dream job of yours to train, you know, thousands of people worldwide about you do that. And that both of those are big, high powered, high travel jobs. And yet I've met your family and they're delightful, right? So you've, you've somehow managed to find a balance in there that I think lots of people struggle to find. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's the kind of two parts of, you know, how do you, you know, make life work out? You know, what do you really want to have when you're done? I mean, what, what do you call winning in your life and, and in your career? And, you know, some of the things that I've seen working from startups uh, to more mature companies with lots of systems, process and governance is that the first thing you really kind of need to make sure is, is your career path kind of consistent with the culture of the company you're at with the, the, the desired end game for you from a timing perspective, a financial perspective, but also a life uh, life balance perspective. And so every company has a, a slightly different culture. So it's hard to, you know, you know, set a single path for any individual. But I think the first part is, is understand that your career is kind of three chunks. Uh, the first chunk is I want to gain some skills. I want to make sure I have some applicable capabilities and as an individual to contribute to a company to a startup uh, to a billion dollar brand and then once you kind of you know baseline on what are my core requirements from a skills a competency perspective and once you start executing against that in a realistic way then you got to say what's the next step and that next step you know should be in some ways tethered to the end game you know do you want to be a c-level executive do you want to own your own company do you uh, want to find a way to, to lead teams and improve businesses. You know, each of those kind of have a, a different timeline, um, a different set of activities that you need to put in place to pursue your goal. But first, after you get the phase of I have skills, I've got a you know well-formed knowledge base that I can execute on, then you got to say, where do I want to go? And then, then the next path, uh, the second phase of your career, how do you uh, – chart out that path with your, with your peers, with the, your mentors, um, you know, with your family, you know, what is, what does that look like? And if you've got a, a way forward towards your goal, the third part of your career is getting better at your discipline and your craft. How can I be a leader, not just a doer? How can I find a way to contribute to the overall team, regardless of my level uh, in the, in an organization? And, and if you got the right goals, you got the right path to, and people to, to guide you and, and, and mentor you along that path, you just have to start setting the, the baseline of, you know, what do I enjoy doing and what do I have the skills doing and how do I get better at it in the first phase? And so that's kind of how I see it uh, at the highest level, Rebecca. Wow, there's a lot of good stuff there. So, so first thing to do is sort of gain the skills so that you have the widest 
most full tool belt of items that you can select so that when you figure out what you want to do, you, you have the most skills to help you do that. So the figuring yeah. out what you want to do, how, how did you do that in your life? How did you map that out? How did you go, this is where I want to be, this is sort of my end goal? When did you do that? I mean, and, you know, so I, I would say I had, you know, multiple things I trialed and uh, tested from a minimum viable career perspective. I did some uh, uh, college instruction, which I found early on, you know, teaching geography and geology, you know, gave me a way to, to influence people's knowledge and, and, and prepare them, hopefully, with, with some fundamental concepts that they can succeed from analyzing data, working in geographic information systems. So I saw that first stage of my role as me getting some skills, not just conveying the skills I had. And I had an opportunity uh, to test out uh, teaching technology as well uh, at, at the college level. And the more and more I spent time in tech, the more I thought, well, this is something I could do. Uh, that I, And so I pursued a, an opportunity to join a, an organization in supply chain and uh, had multiple roles. I did some support activities, some business analysts. But at the end of the day, once I understood the products, once I understood the market, um, it became easy and enjoyable to, to do the random task, for lack of a better phrase, that many businesses ask of product managers and really that that constant churn or change in activity you know really felt uh felt good it gave me challenges that i have never done before and so once i had the skills once i tested things i liked then i said who am i gonna you know who am i gonna move forward and who can teach me and so i had an early mentor dave williams who invested in me as a ceo uh giving me some opportunities to do special projects and, and high visibility things in the company. And then I had another mentor later on who invested in uh, giving me the right skills once I became a vice president and, you know, making sure how to listen to the team. And so if you, if you think about it as let's make sure I got the capabilities that the, the baseline phase one, now do I have the people and the process and the, and the channels to move forward towards my goal? Then how do you get better yeah, for me, basically becoming a VP the first time, you know, it was really a, a change in how I had to look at my career and look at my teams. And so I think mentors are, are a super important part to make sure that maybe even figure out the right the right path for you. They can keep you honest and let you know about some soft spots if, if that's necessary. So I think it's really interesting, but it's a very common uh, theme among all of our instructors who have gotten, you know, you've all been executives in the past and move forward, that you've all had mentors in your career. And I, I think that for a lot of people is an underutilized place. So let's just break that down for a minute. Like, do you go up and say, excuse me, sir, would you be my mentor? Or how did you, how did those relationships come about? You know, I think it, it you know, it, it came from senior leaders that, had empathy, you know, maybe because they themselves, uh, you know, remember when they were junior in their careers and, you know, they could see people that had the passion, the desire and the, the capabilities, but maybe just needed a little nudging. I, I would, I would argue I needed a lot of nudging <laughs> kind of in my early part of that second phase, figuring out the right path forward. Um, and I had folks uh, like Dave and Sean that, that truly gave me the tools to, to get over that and, and, and the patience. And, and so, you know, how did the relationship develop? I mean, I'm a, I think the easiest way to say it is I'm not a traditional marketer. I have geography, uh, gradu graduate work, undergrad is in political science. And so when I started getting business-oriented tasks, not necessarily math, I understood that, but uh, the terminology, the gaps in kind of 
how do you take your understanding of fact sets and patterns and then turn it into commitments to business? And when you do your first business plan, it kind of falls flat and uh, they see that the opportunity they invest in you. And, and so I try to do that uh, with folks that I've worked with as well. And I, I see that first wall they hit in their career as they get promoted up or do something different as an opportunity to invest in the team. And so luckily enough, people saw me hit a couple walls and they gave me the opportunity to uh, do something different and spend more time learning. Great. So the big part of that then is just to be open to it, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't be, uh, you can't be negative on a failure. I mean, at some mm-hmm. point you got to own it. Yeah. I didn't know how to do this. Yeah. You know, it'd be great if uh, you, you'd show me some examples or uh, spend some time with me. I mean, you got to be open to criticism, I guess. I don't know if criticism, feedback, maybe that's mm-hmm. a better way to, to, to frame it. And I think it's important to think of it as feedback and not criticism. I mean, that's a place that I think a lot of people have well, to Well, that's get a hard to. Part thing yeah. for me in my mind. I mean, I like the theory, but in my mind, <laughs> yeah, I always go a little bit negative. So uh, I even did it with the word choice. <laughs> yes. All right. So we've gained our skills. I love the, the idea of the sort of the minimum viable career. I think people feel like even, you know, when they go to college, they feel like they have to know their final game right there. And, and what you'd said was I, I tried a bunch of different stuff. And not only did you learn what you're good at and what you like, but you also picked up so many different perspectives and um, skills along the way that you would use in something like product management that is, to your point, sort of a collection of all kinds of activities, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we should learn everything from every job we have. In fact, I was talking to one of our clients on site last week in, in uh, Raleigh, and uh, we're talking about past jobs and came up that we were both wait, waiters and, uh, and or waitress. And um, and the, the sponsor had said to me, the client uh, sponsor had said to me, you know, one of the best things I've ever learned was waiting tables, how to deal with customers and how to listen in a way that, you know, doesn't create some sort of tension. And, you know, if I think back when I waited tables and bartended, you know, that, that's, that was a pretty rigorous, uh, almost tedious kind of job, but it does teach you some core skills and everything that you bring forward. Uh, Consider it an asset on your tool belt. I like, to, I like that metaphor. Mm, excellent. All right, so it would be, I mean, we can see how we could dive into all this uh pick up lots of different things, really work on it. But how do we do that and not lose ourselves, right? The other half of us, the, the, the life part. Um, you know, I, I, I've kind of always had um, jobs that, you know, didn't have schedules, right? Mm-hmm. And, and leaders that were more like, get the work done on this date and execute at your will uh, and so I've in many ways kind of grown up my career and in, in matured you know in a remote hyper connected reality and so uh, when, when you kind of live in a global company servicing folks on every time zone email never stops um, things need to be done production environments go wonky in the middle of the night um, and so you know, work-life balance is, you know, it's it's desirable, but I think it's more blending in cre- over at this point in our culture. How do we integrate our life and integrate the cadence of work to deliver what the management team needs, to deliver what our boss expects? Uh, because I, I don't know that you can turn off your mobile phone. I don't know that it's um, in many companies possible based on the mission-critical capabilities we, we manage as product leaders. So 
you know, work-life balance, I think, is more is what's the right level of uh, engagement with your your employer as well, and on your time versus what what's the trade-off. And what I mean by that is, you know, something breaks in the middle of the night, and someone has to wake up at 11 p.m. to deal with the client, and works till two till it's resolved, or you got to get up on a sales call to do a demo on the other side of the planet. Um, you know, that's time that maybe as employers, as investors, we should understand that we got to give back on a, maybe a Friday when a child is sick or their friend is graduating or, you know, some other type of event, event that happens in life during a normal business hour. So I see it more of as a, you know, constant kind of negotiation, a integration to make sure first we understand what winning looks like for us as individuals and the company. And then how do we put that over the calendar? And if everybody hits their dates and the goals are met, uh, I, I think work-life balance is more of a blend than than truly discrete points in time, for lack of a better phrase. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I also think that's why your point early on that um, not just your career path needs to be in line with your company culture, but your uh, beliefs around this need to be in line with the company culture because it's easy. You and I would be 100% in agreement, right? Like if it gets done when it's supposed to get done, that's great. If you had to work a night and so you don't come in on a Monday, that's, I'm all in. But there are some companies where their culture hasn't gotten there. Um, well, yeah, I think some companies have, have gone backward. I mean, I, uh, there's there's organizations that have brought the work, remote workforce back into the office. Maybe the first one was under Marissa Meyer that, mm-hmm. uh, that was uh, visible and, and of scale at Yahoo. You've seen uh, other brands do it as well. Um, and uh, so you see a little bit of a, a pullback on that in some larger companies. I think in uh, the startup world, there are plenty of totally virtual entities that you know don't have any real material uh, physical presence. I mean, I, I mean, Aha, I think is a mainly mm-hmm. remote organization, yep. right? I think Balsamic is. Yep. Uh, and so, you know, it can be done with infrastructure. It can be done, uh, you know, in even, you know, bring your own device environments. And so, you know, I think that the hyperconnectivity, the always on is a benefit for everyone as long as you can negotiate it and it works in your company and culture. I also think that uh, particularly, you know, in careers like product management, we've got a lot of overachievers in our profession um, and at but I think sometimes people project their own, uh, they confuse what is their own desire to be uber responsive and quickly and always online with what the company expects from them. And they've actually added an extra layer of pressure and um, that, that no one in the company is asking them to deliver, right? And if you look around in the company and you're only one doing it this way, that would maybe be a sign that, and that's okay, that's your, you can make that choice, but you need to recognize that it's your choice to up-level that investment, and it's not a reflection of what is a requirement of the company. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, there's kind of two couple points there, right? There's one, how do you as a leader appropriately communicate with your team what what's expected? Uh, you know, something, if you look across your, your team and you find that one person is, you know, uh, spending an inordinate amount of time on your team uh, past normal work, business hours or creating work uh, after uh, business hours, you, you know, it, it's about, as a manager, as a leader, sit down and have a discussion first. And I think lots of uh, organizations don't um, 
spend a lot of time looking at uh, that in a proactive way. Um, and so, sort of the goals and the deliverable-based approach, uh, if they're hitting the date, sometimes you don't care. And this is where the empathy as a leader has to come in. What are they sacrificing to deliver that? Now, some people are, you know, willing to work 20 hours a day. I mean, you know, I've certainly seen people like that in my career. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, when do you help proactively balance that? And because, you know, someone that's working 20 hours a day, you know, creates a little bit of friction with people that are trying to work a, you know, nine to 10 hour day. You know, it creates almost this, I don't it's probably not the right, uh, uh, inordinate kind of uh, disproportionate participation. Maybe that's another way to look at it that, that can create, you know, an accelerated fear from others. Maybe I should work harder. And so you got to kind of think your impact on others as, as you spend your time. Uh, so if leaders reach out and uh, you're cognizant of, of how you're asking others to behave, I think that's, you know, that's the best we can do to make sure folks don't get burned out and, and create team environments that, that maybe aren't as collaborative or um, empathetic as it should be. Oh, that reminds me of like five more questions. All right, hold on. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hello, Pragmatic Live listeners. You know we're passionate about product management, and we've been training professionals like you since 1993. If you're ready to increase product sales, reduce time to market, and improve customer satisfaction, register to experience a Pragmatic training session today at pragmaticmarketing.com slash buy. I think that's a great point, too. I think sometimes as a manager, you really have to you have to set the stage even more proactively than you think, right? So I have had teams where very open, you know, you need to leave for something at home, no problem. That's perfectly okay. And then I realize a year and a half in, no one's ever asked me. And these people have kids and that's not possible, right? You're like, hmm, maybe I need to demonstrate something differently because I have said it, but they haven't seen it, right? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, um, I'm, I'm a after the kids go to bed kind of email person. And uh, when I became a director, I remember a conversation with uh, a guy, Ken, I worked with. He says, you know, every time you send an email after work hours, it creates the belief that, you know, it's urgent. Mm. And if it's not urgent, then, you know, put it on a don't send before timer or save it in a draft. Mm -hmm. Uh, because, you know, if we want and or need as a business people to perform after hours, we want them to know that it's an exception and it's not a require. you know, it's not yep. continuous. I do that when they're on, my team's on vacation. I have a draft email where I just start a list of all the things that I don't send it until they get back in the office. That way I don't have to try and remember it all, but they're not being inundated with things that I don't want them to hear from me if they're on vacation unless it's something that's urgent, which it Right, really Absolutely. So we've talked about how to, to manage your career. Any other hints that you've picked up for sort of managing the balance? Um, you know, I think it's, um, you know, it's prioritization and be willing to swap them. It's almost like you're running an agile backlog sometimes, uh, you know, uh, as priorities change, as dates change, as commitments change, and you just got to be f- fluid. Um, you know, as much as you wanted a day off or as much as you wanted to enjoy a day in the beach, as an individual contributor and something goes wrong, maybe you have to work that day on holiday. Uh, but it is a trade-off and a negotiation. Just make sure that it doesn't become one-sided. 
uh, one-sided for the company or one-sided for you. Both of those aren't good for, for anyone. Excellent. All right, so we've talked about a lot of different things today, John. If you were going to have people do two things differently tomorrow based on what we talked about today, what would you recommend? You know, I would sit down with their uh, team as a manager or leader. Uh, sit down as a, with your manager and, you know, say kind of here's where, you know, I think the, the things I enjoy doing in my role, here's uh, you know, maybe three things. Uh, here's things that I think are challenging for me and I want to get better at. And uh, here's three things that, you know, you know, I find myself not enjoying or uh, incapable, uh, and, and maybe you can better define your role with your leader in a proactive way or de- better define your team's roles. Uh, because I think we often use the phrase marketer, product manager, product marketer at every company a little bit differently. And so as soon as you go to a company, you got to sit down and say, what's my job and where do you want me to focus? And then once you execute over a while in that company, you got to figure out what you actually are good at, uh, things you want to improve to drive your career, and uh, and maybe things that you know you think that you're not the right resource with. And that sort of introspection of where you want to go and what you want to learn and, and maybe things that you know, you're not suited for. Uh, gives you a plan uh, to move forward in your career. And I would do that every year, actually, with my team using the pragmatic marketing framework. You know, which three of these activities do you enjoy, think you're good at? Um, hopefully, you know, their um, view of themselves was good. Or else that would be a, an interesting conversation. Mm. <laughs> uh then uh, what you know? Three things do you think that uh, for your career that you want to get better at? Things that are challenging today that, and and then put together a personal development plan, training or book reading or you know joining a cross-functional project as part of their their planning. And then uh, what things don't you like? Because I, I think as a leader, if they've been with your company doing viable work, then it's really process or people, and they've already proven that from a people perspective. They've got the ability to work in the team, work in the culture. And so then how do you do the process, the process of managing the team, process of looking at uh, uh, succession planning, the process of career pathing. And so I think you have to level set that as a leader. But if that's not happening, do it yourself with your leader uh, and put together a plan every year that hopefully gets you the right channels for your second phase and maybe the right relationships with mentors. So you can you know, grow to whatever that end state is uh, in your career, leading organizations, running your company or, or whatever that might be. But it's a process and uh, it's one you got to you know, iterate on and uh, learn from in a, in a retroactive kind of way. Awesome. All right. Thank you, John. All right. Well, thank you for having me on. And uh, I always love talking about career planning. Yes. All right. That does it for today's episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career.